It's 5.45 a.m. And if you were a slave about 170, 180 years ago, uh, that's around the time you would have woken up uh, to get ready for your day. Uh, You would have quickly uh, brought a meal together for your kids. Uh, And then, uh, if you had kids, uh, your older kids, and so I'm talking about the 10 or 11-year-olds, they would have been left behind to care for the younger kids, the two and three-year-olds, so by themselves all day. Uh, You and the older teenagers, so any of you who are 13 and up, uh, you're considered an adult back then, uh, you and your older teenagers would head out to the fields to begin your workday, starting at 6.15. And so you're picking cotton, you're attending to uh, tobacco, those kind of things. It's back-breaking work. Uh, It's interesting to look at what was involved in picking cotton. I mean, eventually, you could get better at this, but you're cutting up your your hands, your legs, uh, you're bending down constantly. I mean, think of all the different physical issues you would have faced to do this. And all the while, there's a slave master with a whip making sure you work as quickly and efficiently as possible because the slave owner makes more profit uh, the more cotton, the more tobacco you pick. Uh, And so uh, there's no time to rest. Uh, In some plantations, they just whipped you regardless. They thought it was a way to keep the slaves submissive, didn't matter how well you did. Uh, So that's your entire day. You work like that, you and your kids, till about um, 8 a.m., 8 p.m., sorry, so from 6.15 a.m. to 8 p.m., uh, you're working on the fields with short breaks uh, to eat, small meals. The workday ends, you head back to your cabin to eat, to rest a little bit, and start all over the next day. So for generations, this is how black people lived. And if you think about this, I mean, it's a terrible way <laughs> to live, to put it mildly. Uh, heartbreaking. Uh, and it makes you ask, like, how do people survive? How do they endure? through so many years of, of being forced to work like this, to live like this. Uh, well, there's a lot of things uh, they did back then, but for a good many of them, their faith was how they survived. Uh, That's how they endured. Uh, many more than you would expect, and I think this is a testimony to how God calls people to himself. Uh, many more than you would expect had a faith in God, a trust in Jesus, um, and that's what grounded them. And, and the way that sort of strength got strengthened and held onto was through regular worship of God. Um, that these past slaves would come together, and that worship was key to them continuing to know that there's a God who was with them and to follow them. And so worship together was vitally important, and how they worshiped was important. Now, some slaves were able to worship together publicly. Uh, Sundays was the only day off, and so they would do it then. Uh, other plantations, they didn't trust the slaves gathering together. They thought they would conspire together but they didn't prevent them from gathering together to worship. They just did it secretly. Here's a, a quote uh, from, uh, from one of the slaves of what they would do and how he and sort of describes how they would worship. And it's something I want to sort of draw from this morning. He says this, we used to steal off to the woods and have church, like the spirit moved us, sing and pray to our own liking and soul satisfaction. And we sure did have good meetings, honey, baptized in the river like God said. We had them spirit-filled meetings at night on the bank of the river, and God met us here. So they came looking for God, needing God to help them survive and endure, and they say God met them there. God met them there as they worshiped God together. And how they worshiped God together was through praise and singing of God and praying, and, and, and as loud as they were willing to pray and sing. It was exuberant, enthusiastic, praying, even dancing, passionately crying out to God. Now, the black church more officially starts in the wake of slavery. 
And as you know, black church happens because black Christians uh, in the wake of slavery tried to join white churches, weren't allowed to. And so black church starts uh, as a way of, of wanting to, they wanted to follow God. And so they had to start their own churches. Uh, and those worship settings are obviously a little bit more formal than the kind of worship settings that happened at the bank of the river. Uh, a little more liturgy to it. But the same vibe. It's the same vibe. There's still a need to, to find God, to meet with God. And, and that came forward in a, a passionate, exuberant type of worship that I've, the title of my sermon that I've sort of described this kind of worship is a shout of praise to God. A shout of praise to God. What's seen in this tradition is exuberant worship that involves all of you. All of you. If you were to sort of peek in uh, at the services that happened at the river, but even sort of the tradition of the church, the black church in the wake of slavery, what you see is yes, exuberant worship, but involves all of who they are. It involves their mind, their heart, their emotion, their body. That's what I mean by this shout of praise. It's kind of passionate praise of God that touches every part of you and is expressed in every part of you. And that's what I will sort of invite us into this morning to consider. How we might worship God, and when I say worship God, I'm thinking particularly those heightened times when we come together in places like this on Sundays, how might we worship God in a way that engages all of ourselves? We want to worship God exuberantly and joyfully, and that involves a worship of God that's all of us, our heart, our mind, our emotions, all of who we are. That's how God wants us, and that's how God invites us to meet him. Uh, now, I think we worship God this way in response to the fact that God wants a relationship with all of us, right? Not just part of you. You're going to sort of get into this Christian thing and have a relationship with God. He says, I, I want you to meet me and engage with me, to know me and to love me with all of who you are. Uh, it's a reminder of, of, of a time when Jesus was asked, okay, what's the greatest commandment? What's the, the biggest thing God wants, us, wants from us? And here's how, God, here's how Jesus summarized it. He says this. The one commandment, the most important commandment of God that sums up all of what God calls us to is this. Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. God wants all of you. He wants a relationship of love that engages you in here, right, but also in here. All of you. He's the eternal, infinite God, which means if you're going to relate to an eternal, infinite God, you can't just pick one part of you to relate to him. It's got to be all parts of you. He wants a relationship with all of you. And so if this is what a relationship with God looks like, to have a love of God, a commitment to God, that is heart and mind and body and soul, if that's true, then when it comes to our praise and worship of God, how we express the fact we have a relationship with God, what helps continue to secure us in that relationship with God it's the same thing, isn't it? Our praise and worship of God, when we come together in times of praise and worship with him, also involves all of ourselves, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to sort of take us through a quick tour of, of some of the Psalms, and I think the Psalms especially teach this, uh, that if we're going to have a relationship with God, it involves worship of God, and it involves worship that should be expressed in all of who we are, Right? I want to know sort of just, first of all, how the Psalms are pointing us to this sort of passionate, expressive worship. Worship of God is not meant to be monotone or passive. It's passionate and expressive. So this is Psalm 95, and it says this. 
O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Check out Psalm 98, verse 4. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, and break forth, literally erupt, right? Erupt with joyous song and sing praise. This is not just muttering words to God. Erupt with praise to God. Psalm 98, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. My heart... Actually, I missed, uh, let me keep reading. There's a couple more I want to see here. His right hand and holy arm have worked salvation for him. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. Rivers and hill, I don't know, they're not alive. I don't know if you know that. But and yet, God is saying he expects them to respond in praise. All the more us. What I take from that, and that was uh, verses uh, 1 to 8 uh, that I was quoting from, from Psalm 98. Again, it's passionate, expressive worship of God. It's like worship of God in every way possible, in all the ways possible. And again, worship of God in all these different ways comes from all of us, body and soul, mind and heart. Now when we go to Psalm 108, verse 1, it says this. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing praise, I will sing and make melody with all my being, with all of who I am, with all of my mind, with all my heart, with all my emotions, with all of my body. I want to make melody. I want to sing praise and worship to God. Yes, our voices should sing praise to God, but all of you should be a shout of praise to God. Psalm 16, verses 8 to 9. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. My whole being sings praise and worship to God. Psalm 146, verse 2. I'll praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. As long as I am a person living a life, I want to give a shout of praise to God. Lastly, Psalm 84, verse 2. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh, all of me, sing for joy to the living God. So we look back to the sort of historic black church tradition. What we're seeing is expressive, passionate worship of God. That's their entire being. And so what did it look like in that particular tradition? Well, what you saw is joyous singing. You see hand clapping. You see spontaneous shouting. Swaying, there's even jumping and dancing. It's, it's all of it, right? And you shouldn't mistake, though, sometimes people look back at the historic black church and think, well, that just, you might think, especially after what I just said, well, you're just showing the ex- sort of the emotional and physical expression of praise and worship there, Ramon. Well, actually, there's also mental and intellectual that's part of that tradition as well. So woven throughout all the things I just listed, the hand clapping or the shouting, all those different things, is, is a tradition, is something that we call call and response. It's often called call and response. So in that tradition, uh, it, the congregation is responding in particular ways to what's being sung or prayed or especially preached. Uh, it might be an amen. It might be a glory to God. It might be thank you, Jesus. It might be a hallelujah. And you think about that, that kind of interaction 
it's not purely emotional, it's actually intellectual. Now, it can be done in bad ways, for sure. <laughs> but it, at its best, at its fullest, what's happening is a community of Christians coming together, paying attention to what's being said, reflecting on it so that they can respond appropriately, letting it hit them deep enough to then respond appropriately, to respond with an amen based on what's said or prayed or sung, to respond with a thank you, Jesus. That's, again, when you think about this, then what you're saying is, is all the things, aren't you? It's a sense of paying attention and listening to what is happening and being said and expressing it in praise and worship that comes from all of who you are. And so, I mean, the, the big question I'm sort of putting before us this morning is how might our worship, Christian worship today, be, as I said, a shout of praise. Shout of praise that's expressive worship of God that involves our entire being. All of who we are. All of who we are is how we have a relationship with God. That means all of who we are should be expressed in praise and worship of God. Now, the reality is we tend to do one or two of those things depending on our temperament, our background, our habits, right? So for some of you, I mean, you relate to God mostly through your mind. Others of you, you might relate to God more through your emotions. It's about feeling a certain way towards God. And here's the thing. We got a good God. He'll, he'll meet us where we're at. Maybe that's your entry point in. But God doesn't want you to stay there. God's like, I've got way more of me that I want you to meet and respond to. You'll never get all of God if you stay in only one or two of those dimensions. It's a challenge, I want to say. And really, it's a challenge sort of more individually than anything else. Does it look different for each person? It's to say, how might you open yourself up more to how God wants you to meet him and to know him, to praise and worship him? For some, more of your mind. Others, more of your soul, more of your heart, more of your strength, more of your emotions. You look at the Psalms, what I want to suggest is that you see a praise and worship of God that's thoughtful and also emotional. That's spiritually engaging, but also physically demonstrative. In other words, you won't get the sense of praise and worship of God in the Psalms that involves a sort of hands sort of crossed, slouching, you know, scrolling on your phone. You, you won't catch that in the Psalms. Maybe another Bible, but not the real Bible, right? The kind of praise and worship we find in the Psalms invites us at times to have our eyes closed and hands clasped in thankfulness to God. And other times, it just can't help but invite us to put our hands out to the heavens in thankfulness to the God we serve. The challenge of being a Christian today is one that hits us in every part of our lives. Every part of your life will be challenged when it comes to faithfully following the Lord. And so all the more do we need to relate to God and to worship God with all of ourselves so that we can meet that challenge. So that every single part of your life can know and follow God. And worship is a way of helping you do that. Especially when we worship and allow worship to engage all of ourselves, to be expressed through all of ourselves. Now, one of the things I want to sort of very clearly mention here, the idea here isn't to say, okay, well, what we need to do is be exactly like the historic black church. Right? That's a different cultural context, different time period. Uh, there's things that, sort of, that are represented in that tradition, praise God for that we look back from and learn from. It's more the principle than anything else I want to bring before us. What does it look like in the church that we are, a diverse church, in the years that we've been here, what does it look like for us? We see what it looks like for them. What does it look like for us? To praise God, like it says in the Psalms, with all our being. To have a praise and worship of God that shows that we love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. Oh. 
in some ways, I want to say, what does it look like for you? Just pick one. Pick one and ask, Lord, what does it look like for me to worship you, God, in this particular area? To praise and worship you in this particular part of my life. For some of you, I mean, it's just opening your mouth to sing, right? I've been here a while. And some of you, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I've seen your lips move that much, <laughs> right? I'm sure you can talk, right? I haven't seen you sign, so I know you can do it. I know if I played a Drake song or a Taylor Swift song, I mean, they're, they're moving, right? Or God forbid, a country song, right? You know it, right? People here know my hatred of country music. I know I shouldn't say that in diverse church, but there it is. But um, I know you can sing. I'm just saying, what does it look like for you to take your ability clearly to sing and put it in an area that actually will matter for how you live your life. <laughs> that actually will matter for the like, things you're facing in your school, in your work, in your marriage, uh, it, as you turn on the news. One of the things God invites us to do is to sing as a way to confirm the things we need to know and believe. So for some of you, it's just open your mouth a little bit more. For some of us, some of you, I'm just gonna encourage you to just stop scrolling your phone, like put it on silent. I know it's like an addictive drug. I get it, I'm there too, right? Like, you just got to be willing to put it away for, I mean, we're not here that long, right? You can put it away for an hour and a half or so, right? Hour and 15. You can put it away so that you are ready more to hear amazing things about God. Wonderful things about God that will invite you that you can't help but, but want to respond to. For some, it's just like literal body posture, right? There's a way in which you sit or stand that is just inviting you to check out. And, and, and maybe you just need to sit in a different way, to stand in a different way so that you're able to pay attention to what's being said. So you can respond again with all of your being to the Lord. I think for all of us, it's letting what's being said or sung or prayed about to God sink deep enough into us so that we can't help but sing a little bit more. We can help move our hands more in prayer or out front, in front of us in thankfulness to God. It's to respond in these ways to say we have a God that says, I want all of you. Because he wants all of us, we express it with all of us. Now, this leads to the next point I want to make. This sort of worship of God I'm describing as a shout of praise, expressive worship of God that's expressed in all of who we are. I mean, this is, this is you can't fake the funk on this, right? This is not something you should fake, right? It's not something you should sort of pretend to do or be coerced to do. Like that's that'd be the worst thing to do here. That's why I say we shouldn't just be like, well, these people did it, so I'm just going to imitate them. Now, this is the kind of thing, obviously, I think, oh, maybe that's implied here. This should be a natural response, right? Whatever is sort of, and each of us, I think, have more ways we should be stretched to praise and worship our God. But it should come naturally, right? And so how might this be more of a, how might we know God in a certain way so that we more naturally respond to him. Well, it's by knowing specifically the God we follow and worship. That authentic sort of shout of praise of God comes, degree in which we're reflecting just on who God is and what he's done and what he's doing, what he will do. Look at sort of the tradition of the black church. Saying is that that sort of exuberant worship of God, the head, the, the head nodding, the swaying, the, the, the singing, the call and response, all that is coming out of deep reflection on God. All that's coming, you see that in the songs and the prayers, all that's coming from saying, here's what we're facing, here's what we're enduring, but here's who God is. And that's why I sing all the louder and praise all the more. So yeah, let's look at the, the Psalms here. We have one particular Psalm that brings us all together that shows the connection between the two. 
So this is Psalm 100, and it says this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Then look at this. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, because know this, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Notice how that, that psalm starts. It begins by saying, hey, give your praise to God. Is what we've been saying. Expressive praise to God. Exuberant praise to God. From, from all of who you are, come into his presence with singing. But notice the basis of this. Here's how you'll do that. So let me go back here. Here's how that happens. Verse 3. By knowing who God is. He is the Lord God, Yahweh. He's not just any God. He's not some run-of-the-mill generic God. He is specifically the Lord God. And he's the Lord God in this particular way. He's the God who made us. Think of the God of the universe who made trillions. I mean, that's maybe on the low end of the galaxies and stars out there. All these different things he's made. And yet out of all these different things, he looks at this planet, planet Earth, and this people, human beings, and says, I'm going to make them my people. I'm going to make them his. He's going to be, we're going to be ours. And he's going to care for us and look after us and watch over us. He's a God, it says at the end, who is good, who commits to us with love and faithfulness. Like I said, this is not run-of-the-mill generic God. This is not some abstract power out there, some sort of enlightened state we got to get into that's impersonal, and hopefully we'll sort of merge into that. That's not what we're talking about here. We believe in the Lord God, a personal God, someone who's fully God and yet has fully invested in us. That's the God we have. That's the God we serve. And you will worship God more fully and naturally the more you believe that, the more you know that and you believe that. And the more you realize all the different ways in which God shows up in your life to show you this is the kind of God you got. All the different ways God is like trying to say like, just pay attention, look, look what I'm doing. Look how I'm showing up. Look at the things I'm doing in your life. If you just pay a little bit of attention, if you just notice. God is saying, here's how I am. I'm giving you this big description of him. And look in your life and to see the way that it matches up. When you see that, when you know that, I mean, that's where the worship comes. That's where the praise and worship comes. We see this in a bunch of other psalms. The connection between, I'm going to praise God because I know how he is and how he's acted in my life. Psalm 13, verse 6. I will sing to the Lord because he has done, dealt bountifully with, him, with me. You understand, like, God is not saying, hey, praise and worship with me because I have, I mean, but I haven't really done much. So trust me, though, <laughs> right? I'll show up one day. God is saying, praise and worship with me, and I'll show you why. Here's what I do in your life. Here's what I do in this world. I will sing to the Lord because look at what he's done in my life. Psalm 59, verse sing. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of what? Specifically this, your steadfast love in the morning. Sing passionately to God, but passionately because here's who he is. Our praise and worship has content to it in this specific content. He's the Lord God and he's your God and here's how he interacts with you. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, O God, are my fortress, 
the God who shows me steadfast love. Psalm 105, verse 2. Sing praises to him. Sing praises to him. Tell. Tell of all his wondrous works. Psalm 145. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall command your works to another, and they shall declare your mighty acts. So the most idea is like, I mean, this is what we're doing. We're looking at what past believers have seen about the Lord, and we now are picking up the baton and saying, we want to do the same thing. Here's the God we have. Here's what he does. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. And yet, we got to think and reflect on it. You think and reflect on the God we have, that leads to a certain way of praising and worshiping God. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare then your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Here's the God we've got. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, good to all, extends mercy to us. We will praise God more energetically and more passionately and more fully when we reflect on all of who God is, the great, good, personal God that he is. And, when, and I think as we go into detail on the kind of God that you got, specific detail for your life, right? I have things I, need to, I think about in my life. Think about things in your life, the ways in which God has showed up and shown himself to be great and good and personal. When you begin to think about that, when you begin to realize those things, I mean, what I'm asking here is not just, I'm not trying to trick you in some particular way. I'm saying, I mean, when you see great things and acknowledge great things and experience great things, you will declare great things from your life in every part of you. What you see from the historic black church and the songs and liturgies, that's what you're seeing. The songs and liturgies, very clearly, I mean, and this thing too is, it's a greatness of God that shows itself up. This is, I think, I've said this before. Uh, one of the, the great things about Christianity is we believe in a God who shows up, shows himself to be great, not just when things are going well, but also when things are going terribly. And I think it's especially in the terrible things that proves the greatness of the God we serve. So what we're talking about, and I think you see this in the historic black church, is they're praising God, acknowledging the greatness of God when they're being whipped every day, when their kids aren't allowed to go into swimming pools, where they're having to, like, avoid certain places at night. Like, like that doesn't make sense. It does, these things don't fit together. And yet they do because they realize God is still with us. And we have hope with where God is leading us. And we see that expressed in their songs and their liturgies, right? But here's the thing. Like, we also have songs, right? We have songs that we sing, songs we sung today that say things to us that speak things to us, that invite us to see. We have prayers we've given already. We have things we will do after this sermon, like, like communion, that invite us to consider, here's the God you have and how much you respond. All it requires is paying attention. Paying attention while you sing, while you pray, while someone's up here talking, anyone. <laughs> Listening to, responding to the spirit, letting it stir you in, the, in your heart, in your soul, in that moment. It's almost like a improv nature to, to worship services. That's why this worship services require us regularly to come together in person and to experience something that can only happen when we come together regularly. To let God stir in your heart and soul in a way that you might not have expected when you walked in, but a God was expecting and that God is inviting you into. 
As I said, we have it already in the mix for us to hear things and sing things that will invite a shout of praise from all of yourself. And let me just sort of, if I can just quickly, as we before we close here, I mean, just, just point out a song we sang just today, earlier, right? And if you sort of just slow down and pay attention to what we sung and apply it to your own life, you realize, like, whoa, like if this is true, I mean, <laughs> I can't help but say it and express it physically. I mean, one of the songs we sang earlier, Our God Reigns Forever. Remember this line? Our God is mighty and marvelous. We put our hope in your name, Jesus. We have a mighty God. Here's the proof of it. He came to us in Jesus. When I talk about God being personal, making us his people, the reason we can believe that, the reason we say that is because God personally came and became one of us. The God of the universe became human. That's how much he wanted you. He realizes all the mess in your life, and he realized the only way for me to solve it is to come to you in Jesus. We put our hope then in this God. He put a name on himself, the name Jesus. Here's another part of that song. Nothing to fear, you are here with us. Man, if that's true, you can't mutter that one. I mean, he's here? Like God is here with us? I mean, I, I know that, and I feel that and believe that. The Lord God is here with me, with me, with me who other people might ignore and overlook, with me who's got all these decisions in front of me, with me who's worried about whether I'm going to have a boyfriend or girlfriend one day, with me who's worried about whether I'm going to have children, with me who's, who's thinking about how I'm going to pay the bills, with me who's trying to understand what is going on in this crazy world, with me, that God is with me. That's what we sing. Nothing to fear you are here with me. How can I not help but shout that out in praise to God? We put our hope in that God who's here with us, Jesus. Our God is in control, steadfast, unmovable. Nothing's impossible because our God, he reigns forever. Amen? He reigns forever. See, like, it's, in, it's in the words. <laughs> if, you, if you allow yourself to hear those words and let it sink in a little bit more, like, this is what will happen. I mean, so you know, it's not like I practice this. (laughs) Like, it's just me saying it out loud and just letting it hit me a little bit more than I sometimes do. Because I've sung this song a million times. I have to remind myself, even in a million and one time, (laughs) it matters even more because I've lived a little bit more life between million and million and one. (laughs) And here's what God wants to bring to mind so I might know him and relate to him more. Here's a song we're going to sing after communion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul, I'll worship your holy name. I want to praise God with all my soul. With all my soul. But up to this point, it's possible those are just words I'm saying, right? So the song's going to help us out, right? I might just say that. I'm going to bless the Lord with all my soul. But what moves it from my head into my heart is when we sing this. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great. And your heart is kind. I've said this before. Imagine it was opposite. He was poor in love and quick to anger. That's a different God. That's not the God we got. Think about, as you sing that, the ways in which God has shown himself to be rich in love in your heart. The ways in which God has shown shown himself to not be um, quick to anger, but slow to anger. The ways in which God is passionately engaged with you. He showed up in your life. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. 
And that's a good line for us to end this morning. 10,000 reasons and infinitely more to inspire and fuel passionate, exuberant worship of God with your whole self. 10,000 reasons. Now, I don't know how many reasons you've been using right now in your heart and life. Maybe it's zero right now. And what I'm going to say is, hey, I want to give you one really big one. It's the first one for any Christian. Anyone, anytime someone becomes a Christian, here's the first reason to worship God, and it's this. He's come to you in Jesus. He's come to know you and to save you out of a life that's far away from God. He's come to you in Jesus. So there's one that's enough to call you to praise and worship of God for a long time. For some of you, I mean, you've got, a, you've got a bunch now. You've been living a Christian life for a while. Maybe you've got a couple hundred. Guess what? There's 10,000 more. <laughs> 10,000 more and beyond to draw you into the knowledge of God that will show itself in worship of him. God will, wants to tell you, yeah, you might be a couple hundred right now. You're still in the appetizer portion. <laughs> appetizer portion of the menu God has laid out for you to know him and to relate to him in a worship that will help you leave here and stay faithful to Jesus until we come back here next. <laughs> this is what the God we've got. This is the God we serve. A shout of praise to God. Let's pray that God would draw us more in that way. Lord, thank you for the time we have together. Thank you for the chance we'll have, Lord, to continue, Lord, to hear things about you, Lord, and then to praise you, Lord, and to worship you in all the ways we're called to. And, Lord, uh, I think in, in so many different ways in which we're challenged, in which we, we feel tensions in our life, and all the different ways, Lord, in which, Lord, we're trying to figure things out, Lord, what we want, especially in this time and day, Lord, is to, to see the glory of who you are, Lord, to know who you are, Lord, and then to respond in the wake of that. A response, Lord, that engages from all ourselves because we want to live all of ourselves in a relationship with you. And so, Lord God, uh, fill our hearts and minds with the reasons to know you, Lord. For some, Lord, maybe see the first and biggest one, Lord, you've come and saved us in Jesus. Lord, the well just opens up from there, doesn't it, Lord? Lord, all the different ways in which, Lord, you show yourself to be mighty and marvelous. All the different ways, Lord, you show yourself to be rich in love and slow to anger. So many ways in which you describe yourself, Lord. And, and so I just pray for each particular person here and the particular life they live, um, Lord, reveal yourself to them. Show who you are. And, Lord, may the result be, Lord, something beautiful and glorious, Lord. I, I'm thankful, Lord God that we don't, there's no tricks and games here. You really are a great God. When we see it, Lord, and we recognize it and we believe it, Lord, that we will live it and express it in every part of ourselves. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.